0: watching The Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. What's going on, guys? You're with Justin Henry on The Justin Henry Show. Today is August, what is it, the 17th, and uh, we got a good show today, man. My guy Frank Amarane is joining the show. Frank, my man, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, feeling great. Uh, Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, Like you said, August 17th, we're getting really close to the NFL season. Just got back from the Fantasy Football Expo. It was a blast. And now excited to carry over that football talk here.
0: Yes, sir, man. Talk a little bit about the Expo before we get into like breaking news, man. What was your biggest takeaway from that weekend? I had a hell of a time like at the Hall of Fame Stadium and actually got to check out the Hall of Fame. But what was your biggest takeaway?
1: Oh Well, first of all, one takeaway I got to say is that, damn, I didn't even know you were there. I would have came to say hi. That would have been cool. (laughs) I'm sorry I missed out on that. Uh, But... Another take would be just like, it's great to be, uh, you know, interacting in person with uh, people you've talked online for all this time and you meet them for the first time. And it just, it was great vibes. Everyone was friendly and, you know, meeting new people. And I feel like I made some honestly legit friendships there.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is being able to take away some of those connections and networking. And a lot of people probably went there just for the experience. But hopefully if you were there at the at the expo or you haven't planned on going, you maybe you're trying to go next year. That's the biggest takeaway is just try to meet as many people as you can and make genuine connections. You're not going to make a thousand genuine connections, but if you can make another five or ten, it sets the tone, man, for the rest of your time on online. So. I appreciate you coming on, man. Let's get into it today. We're going to be covering some of the breaking news topics of the day, but then also dialing into that RB dead zone is what they're calling it, man. They're calling it the dead zone when all the top starters are going out and you're starting to get into more of those question marks uh, to fill out your fantasy rosters. So we'll get into those and then talk some player props from those guys too to see, are we really buying it that they're dead zone or do we think they're going to have a better season? So Let's get into some early breaking news. One of them is that Kenneth Walker for the Seattle Seahawks did suffer an injury. He's a rookie, obviously. There's a lot of talk about him battling with Rashad Penny in the running back role, probably towards the end of the season, but he's uh, suffered a sports hernia. And so Rashad Penny is going to handle a full, work- full workload. They're hopeful that Kenneth Walker can be back for game one. How does this impact your fantasy rankings, Frank? Because – Obviously, a lot of people are buying into, you know, that dead zone area. We talked about Rashad Penny potentially being a factor there. But then there's a lot of people who are buying into Kent Walker, especially those Dynasty guys.
1: Yeah. So, well, coming in, you know, I loved Rashad Penny. Like he had a crazy stretch end last season, like 670 rushing yards in the last five games. So I came in even with them drafting Walker, thinking that Penny would sort of be like a 1A. And then early camp reports were saying, you know, Penny's the lead back. Penny's the lead back. And then recently last week, Penny had a, a groin issue and they were just talking up Kenneth Walker. And then mm-hmm. it's starting to see like, whoa, maybe Walker, you know, is ahead of the game, like ahead of the eight ball a little bit. He might he's impressing the coaching staff and all that. But now you hear the hernia injury that could set him back a bit, even if he's back week one. You know, he missed a couple weeks. So Penny is is likely to start off as the lead back and they might ease kenneth walker back in so it might bump his adp down a little bit for sure
0: yeah i think it helps anybody who is interested in rashad penny right because now you're like okay there's a little speculation on kenneth walker or i'm sorry it hurts anybody that has rashad penny because now people are going to be a little bit more skeptical about kenneth Walker. they're like all right is rashad penny's going to get a full workload at least to start the season in in the dead zone that's kind of what you're thinking is you want guys who can start for you immediately now, I'm not too concerned about the injury. I think dealing with the sports hernia, though, we've seen players struggle with that through, throughout the season. It's one of those injuries that's kind of hampered. So even though Kenneth Walker is young, it's still something to note.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and so another player actually got hurt today, unfortunately. Somebody I had flagged as a late, late-round target from my, uh, of mine, Michael Hardman. He suffered a, a groin injury at practice today, was carded off. There's some reports out there saying that it that it wasn't as bad. That hopefully he you know he was able to jog to the cart. So, who is your guy out in Kansas City? And did Mikael Hardman was he on your radar at ours as ours a as a late round flyer? Or you're like ah, I wasn't interested in that news anyway.
1: Well, Mikul Hardman, I understand your appeal. That, you know he's young and and he he could have an increased role, especially in best ball when you have to don't when you don't have to worry about starting him the right week and he'll have that spike week. He could help you all. It was definitely a you know, late round sleeper. But to answer a question who I like out of their receivers most is Juju, just because he's done it before. He has the most track record among the bunch. But this news, what I think it helps is Sky more because as a rookie, you might see, you might have seen him, you know, eased in a little bit like week one, two. Like, let's say Mikko Hardman is out the first couple weeks. Now more is immediately thrust into more of a snap share. So he could make uh, it, it might it increases the probability, you know, that he could make an immediate impact rather than with the usual rookie take a couple weeks, you know, to get going.
0: Yeah, I absolutely was all over Miko Hardman in this role. I kind of was thinking, all right, he's a second round pick too. Like, was gonna step into Tyree Kill's role, but if he's out for a significant amount of time, you're right. Sky Moore, that value skyrockets, man. No pun intended there. It does skyrocket though, and he has the the behind the like behind the line type of action. He'll be involved in the run game, in the longer passes, short screen type of action. So. I absolutely would love Sky Moore. And unfortunately, hopefully nothing is wrong with Miko and he gets to step in his role. But if anything were to happen, yes, Sky Moore would move up my draft board 1,000%. Hell of a point there, my man. And then lastly, um, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. that has been the story this whole offseason is, is Javante going to take that ne- the next step? Everybody loved him last year, right? Coming into the offseason, it was, hey, Javante, top five season. It's coming Then they signed Russ. Then they re signed Melvin Gordon. And it's like some of that allure was instantly gone. But Melvin Gordon today came out and said, This is Javante's team. They want Javante to be the featured guy. How are you looking at Javante, even Melvin Gordon, in redraft right now?
1: Well, obviously, when you hear that from Melvin Gordon, you have to feel optimistic about Javante Williams just because, um, you know, everyone, a lot of people were starting to think that it, it would be. Uh, um, a, re- a repeat of last year when it was really like a dead even 50-50 timeshare. But we have to acknowledge, you know, it's a new coaching staff. They might not feel the same way. They might want to lean on the younger back more and Javante. Uh, but then we started to hear camp reports like a couple weeks ago that, you know, they're getting totally equal share with the first team again. So people started to have doubts. But now you hear, hear this from Melvin Gordon. I think you have to bump up Javante Williams a little bit. Not to say he's going to just be like totally dominating touches, but he's likely it won't be a dead even split basically. Yeah.
0: And I think it was more of a split last year when you are a rookie, you you tend to make rookie mistakes. You need to understand your blocking assignments, what holes to hit. There's just a lot more rookie mistakes. Like this podcast is one of our first first episode. This section is called Justin, this just in uh, talking about breaking news, obviously, but we all make mistakes. And so as that time goes, You develop your role a little bit. He's had a full offseason. Now he has the opportunity to break out in that. What I mean by that is I don't necessarily think that this is the same expectation we had from him last year. If he was if before the offseason, I was thinking Javante was going to go to the moon. But once Russ came in there, I already was a little bit more skeptical because that's going to be Russ's team through the passing game. But hearing this about – hearing Melvin Gordon kind of say, you know what, this is going to be Javante's team, it means that he re-signed there knowing that his role is going to be lessened. So I think I could see a 70-30 split. And i still got Javante as top 12, but he just doesn't carry the same upside that you typically want to see in your running back one personally. That's how I got it. I don't know. Do you think that he has that top five, top seven ceiling still now that Melvin Gordon has come out and said that?
1: Well, I think – for him to get to that top five ceiling, Melvin Gordon would probably have to miss time. So if Gordon's on the field, I still think Williams could be like an RB1 top 12 range, maybe hit the lower range of the top 10. But yeah. but top five, he would need likely Melvin Gordon to miss time, or he would just have to go off with touchdowns, just because, you know, in a Russ Russell Wilson offense, offense will be improved. There'll be more scoring opportunities. Right. So for him to get there. With Gordon healthy, you likely need, like, you know, 12-plus touchdowns. But I do like him.
0: Yeah, you're heavy on Twitter. You saw there was, like, a lot of people talking about Melvin Gordon. We're disrespecting Melvin Gordon, and he has standalone value. He's an elite talent. Like, there's a a huge Melvin Gordon fan base on Twitter that really has his back. Are you in the consensus that he's still a viable, like, back-end running back for your team, like somebody you have as a running back three, or you're, like – Nah, he's more of a backup, like running back four ish, if he gets lucky.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm not as high on him. Just, I wouldn't want him as my RB3. I'd rather even wait because he's still relatively, like, he's not super cheap, like, like other back, yeah, backup running backs per se, right? So yeah, he's going I,
0: like he's going right with the top end backups. You're looking at like Tony Pollard, AJ Dillon, he's going like right after those guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'd rather have say Tony Pollard than Melvin Gordon, because I think there's a path maybe for Pollard to get an increased role, whereas it's more likely that Gordon's role will decrease than increase. So he's not someone I'd be looking at. If I'm looking for a running back there, I'm looking at yeah, Tony Pollard or A.J. Dillon, or yeah. I might look elsewhere at wide receiver, maybe get a Brandon Ayuk, someone like that. Just, yeah, to Big sum it fan. up.
0: Big fan of Brandon Ayuk.
1: Oh yeah, he looks, <laughs> he, he's killing it in uh, camp apparently. So yes, you, love he to hear, you love to hear that, so.
0: Yeah, and speaking of kind of, I guess that's a perfect segue when we're talking about Melvin Gordon, you get to that area where a lot of people do consider wide receivers, This year they're calling it the RB dead zone. And it's funny because this stage of the podcast, where we talk fantasy football, is actually called the zero RB. So not only is that a place where people tend to go to receivers because of the inconsistency and just a lot of the question marks at the running back positions, typically in that range of round five to round 10, there's just a lot of question marks. That's also a place where a lot of people who go zero RB find their starters. So I think it'd be a good idea for us to look at those guys and and talk about are they really valid as guys or they have more question marks than people think. So when we come to that tier, some of the, the last people I would consider that are not RB dead zone is like J.K. Dobbins, Brees Hall, Cam Akers. Those guys are like right outside of that RB dead zone. And there's a lot of questions when it comes to Cam Akers. A lot of people don't understand, like know his value. Is it? hey, they're going to protect him this year or McBay loves to run his his guys. He's fully healthy off the of offseason. How are you feeling right now about Cam Akers and would you be confident with him as your RB1?
1: Uh, I'm not feeling too optimistic about Cam Akers. You know, I know he came back early and shocked everyone from, but the fact of the matter is, is it was the, that Achilles injury. We haven't seen running backs really come back to their full form. It would, takes a long time for them to get back at it. And he did look he didn't look himself really in the playoffs. He was not really explosive. He had uh, he was inefficient. So I'm I'm not comfortable as him with him as my RB one because I'd rather shoot for a running back that, despite the lower uh, draft cost, that maybe can, in the right in the perfect scenario, if everything breaks right, he can be like a top 15, top 12 back. Yeah, And plus, like uh, with the Rams, you may see them use a little bit more of Daryl Henderson just to, because there was even a report that they had listed them on the depth chart as co-starters. So yep. when you see that, I mean, most of the appeal with Acres is that, hey, he's going to get heavy volume. Sean McVay always loves to lean on one back. But when you see that, that's concerning.
0: Yeah, and we saw even a lot of their snap shares in, in training camp so far has been pretty split. And I'm of the group that I think they're going to protect their asset. They invested a second-round pick in Cam Akers, and it's like you don't want to see a young player get thrust back into a role and get re-injured or injure something else trying to overcompensate. So those are already – Achilles are tough injuries to come back from. And when you're talking to a guy who struggled last year in the, in the postseason, it might take a few games for him just to get back to normal, or just see that normal workload. I don't think that they give him a normal workload this season. I think this is a, Hey, just get back to normal season for him. They need him. They need him. This, ha- this team has super bowl aspirations. This team is looking forward in the future. I don't think they try to gas out cam makers. Now towards the end of the season, I can see them bumping up his workload, but especially early on the first 10 to 12 weeks, I think you're going to see as split as you can while they try to get him back healthy. So I'm out on Cam Akers, especially because you're having to take him typically around the third, fourth round. He's like, like I said, he's kind of drifting into that um, that RB dead zone. I'm out on Cam Akers. So official word, you're out on Cam Akers.
1: Out on Cam Akers, especially like you said, he's on the most expensive side of this dead zone. Making it even worse, like you could take, you could take like a DJ Moore instead of taking Cam Akers or easy, you know. So yeah, totally out.
0: Yeah, I'm even cool with taking, like, uh, Rashad Bateman over a guy like Cam Akers. man. man. You know what I mean? It's, like you said, there's some other receivers. But moving on, the next player is uh, falling quickly into the dead zone and might fumble his way or be on pass protection out of this dead zone completely and continue to free fall. There's been a lot of talk about Antonio Gibson, and obviously they re-signed J.D. McKissick there in Washington. They brought in Brian Robinson in the draft. There's some changes going on right now. They talked about work, uh, lessening his workload, and then we saw him fumble in preseason, play with some of the second stringers. In practice, he's been on the punt team. Like, what the hell are we making of this Antonio Gibson situation? Because it seems like a nightmare for fantasy owners. Is everybody just pushing that red button too soon, or are you fully panicking when it comes to Gibson?
1: I think, you know, the writing is on the wall here. Like, we see it. They bring back McKissick. They used uh, the third rounder on Brian Robinson when – Clearly, the team has other needs across the roster. I would know. I'm a I'm a fan of this. This is my team, so I know. Like, you I'm know, so this is not. You, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you know, they have other needs. They're using. What are you drafting a running back for? Well, it kind of implies that they don't fully trust Gibson. Then you have Ron Rivera. Wait, I uh, bought probably like a month, maybe a month and a half ago, saying. He envisions Gibson and Robinson like uh Jonathan like D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart back in the day in Carolina. Yeah. Now you're seeing him, you know, get work with kick returners after a fumble. I mean, how many there's a lot of troubling signs here. Now his average draft position continues to plummet. So plummet. I understand I understand those if they see him like really falling, like I don't know, eighth round he can go sometimes. Yeah. Then I could I can see the logic why they would take him, but uh, I don't know. I, personally, I'm not interested. I just think it's a committee. McKissick getting most of the primary, uh, the passing down work, especially in hurry-up or catch-up situations. You know, Robinson being that grinder. It, it's
0: it's it's weird because Gibson's been the top 15 running back the last two years, and I think we just look at him. He was dealing with injuries last year, too. And it's like, are we devaluing him too much just based off of this new information? Last year was the opposite. He was going second, third round, and then all of a sudden around this time last year, Ron Rivera said, we want to use him more like Christian McCaffrey. And we saw that how, how that worked out. It didn't quite work out. But we saw his value go to the first round in a lot yeah. of drafts last year. So do you think it's maybe the opposite effect? Because that's tend- that's where I tend to lean. I think right now we're listening way too much in the coach coach week. I think that there may be some touches taken away, but teams need to draft depth at running back because Gibson did get hurt last year and McKissick's not a true three down back. So do you think that maybe we're taking a lot of this stuff into consideration a little too much? Or you're like, nah, I'm just going to pass on Antonio Gibson.
1: Well, for me, I always say like, you know, uh, don't hate the player, hate the price. So if he falls to a certain price point, even though, like I just said, a bunch of negative, uh, (laughs) <laughs> points about about his outlook i understand that he is talented he has had some big games especially in his rookie year down the stretch i was loving him so i understand the possibility that with my read on the situation could be wrong so yeah. if it falls to a point like late enough i'll, I'll and i need a running back badly uh, particularly in say a, a wide receiver heavy zero rb type of build I'm willing to take him and and understand, like you know, hedge against my my initial read, you know. Yes, so sir. It's still, it's still worth, you know. You're not always going to be right, so if he falls far enough, you're like, hey, I got to take him here. I you gotta understand. Take,
0: you can't fade talent, man. And so I'm with you there, Frank. I feel like I'm not reaching on him fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Hell no, I'm not reaching on him. But he starts to creep into that seventh, eighth round, yeah. and I haven't addressed running back fully. You damn sure I'm gonna take him or at least take a chance on him, man. Because I feel like at that point it's worth it.
1: I totally agree.
0: So there's another guy, obviously, uh, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. Uh, he's in that dead zone category. A lot of people are concerned about new coaching. They might, you know, that McDaniels offense tend to run a little bit where they they switch up running backs based on matchups. Um, Obviously, they brought in Amir Abdullah, who got some feature work in the preseason. Kenyon Drake's already there. And then rookies, Amir White, as well, Has you know, and he's in a contract year and they didn't they didn't extend his his options. So, Josh Jacobs, are you in or out? I've never really been a fan of Josh Jacobs, but I can't tell. Are we fading him too hard? Are you in or out?
1: So, I'm personally out he he's sort of like Antonio Gibson, but more expensive, but he is it's it's understandable why he's more expensive because he's been able to stay healthy number one and number two he's in a much better offense so I understand that, but you know, I'd rather just wait and and go take a dart throw on zamir white, the rookie, you know the new regime just drafted him. I could take someone else at Jacobs's adp like let's say if I want to go running back, I could even take like Elijah Mitchell there. And then I could try to take Zamir White later, hoping that maybe he gets an increased role or something like that. Because, you know, Josh McDaniels, like you said, he could go into that committee type of approach. And Jacobs really needs that heavy volume for him to pay off. Because he doesn't really, aside from last year down the last few games, he wasn't ever really used in the passing game. So it really depends on uh, heavier volume.
0: He's going to be a touchdown dependent running back this year. I think there's no other way to put it. They obviously brought in pass catchers to handle that. When you already have Kenyon Drake and then you bring in Amir Abdullah as well, who for some reason looks like he really is going to supplant that role. When I saw it first preseason game, I was like, hell no, like people are overreacting. But I could see him having, you know, a four or five catch role in that offense when I'm talking about Amir Abdullah. Um, but when it comes to Josh Jacobs, I do think we're probably gonna see double-digit touchdowns out of him if he stays healthy. Like it seems like that's the trend with those type of backs in that system, is that they are featured heavily in the red zone. So I could see that now. Am I gonna take him in the fifth round? Probably not. I just I think that there's way better wide receivers there. Even if I need to address running back, my hope is that he falls maybe a round or two. Then I could take him in the seventh very comfortably. But if not, he's definitely not somebody I'm reaching for. He reminds me like If you're going to do that, you might as well take Damian Harris. Straight up. They're damn near the same type of talent.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Or even later in like Ramondre Stevenson, too. I love
0: Stevenson. We're going to get to him in just a second, bro. Yeah, because I love Stevenson.
1: Same. All
0: right. So, obviously, so out on Josh Jacobs, out on Gibson, out on Cam Akers. We're kind of in line right now. I think Gibson was cool at the price. Josh Jacobs isn't really falling that way. But somebody who kind of is falling right now, CEH. There's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There's you ask one person, he's going to give you an answer. You ask somebody else, they're going to give you a completely different answer. His value to me is one of the more mysterious things. Fully healthy offseason. The team says he's still the first back. They bring in Ronald Jones. Isaiah Pacheco has kind of made a name for himself this offseason. Where are you taking CEH? And is he somebody that you're actually like, I think he has a chance to break out in his third year, or you're like, you know what? I don't trust this guy at all
1: well, the thing with C H is some like he definitely goes later than Jacobs and you're still getting an like an elite offense. You still have that when you take CEH. And hey, coming out of college he was renowned as a pass catcher out of the backfield, so maybe he has higher receiving upside than Jacobs at a cheaper price just cuz obviously he's less proven. And I would def I would say at his price I'd be I'd be pretty in on CEH just because like I said, it's cheaper and he's got that higher ceiling, I feel like, because of his uh, receiving ability. And you know, the Chiefs lost Tyree Kill, so yep. maybe they get the running back involved a little more. Uh, so I think you want to try to get some, if you're in multiple leagues, you want to try to get like maybe a share of CH, maybe gotcha. you pass on him, then you go with Pacheco as the late round dart throw in your other team just to switch yeah, it up
0: it's one of those things, man. See, hey, she has the value. You mentioned like just getting at least a share of him. There's, there's potential there. You're not drafting him in the first three rounds. Like you used to have to, like you're getting him in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, just depending on your league. And yes, like you mentioned, frankly, he's tied to a, a very good offense in a role. They're not comfortable with Ronald Jones. They don't have the draft capital attached to Isaiah Pacheco. Jerick McKinnon is, is on a lower tier deal, even though he produced well for them in the playoffs. like, i like the way you think man because i'm right there with you i like ceh especially if you faded the running back position early on and you either went hero or zero rb or maybe you're just looking for better depth i'm all in on ceh at the value i think you're getting him at his rock bottom price he's when he plays and he's not hurt he plays pretty well
1: yeah i totally agree and just to finish it off here uh what you said about zero rb like let's say I needed a running back. I'm gonna to try to swing for the moon here. I'm gonna to try to go at, at a CH because if everything breaks right, you have a lead back in an Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes offense who could catch passes. You could be really your team could take off with that receiver heavy, tight elite tight end type of build.
0: Yeah, love it. Love it. I love that train of thought because otherwise you're playing fantasy, you're trying to win. You don't, you don't got to play it safe, especially if you already avoided the running back position. Shoot for the moon. There's always running backs later. And guess what? You could always handcuff your running back if you needed to. Get Pacheco later. Get Ronald Jones later. You could still be sitting nice, even with Clyde. So I like that train of thought. Right. Moving on, we're going to my favorite team, the 49ers. And Elijah Mitchell, you mentioned his name earlier. Elijah Mitchell's a guy. Uh, we've seen his draft stock kind of get crushed this offseason. He was going fourth round ADP to start the summer, and now he's going more like sixth, seventh round. Um, Where are you at with Elijah Mitchell? I have my thoughts, and I've talked about this already, but I want to hear where you're at on Elijah Mitchell first.
1: So er earlier in the offseason, I was sort of out on him just because you know how Kyle Shanahan is. There's always uncertainty with his running back usage. But then I started reading, like, uh, camp reports, and they were – really saying, like, Mitchell was going to be featured in the offense. Like, uh, Tyrion Davis-Price was was behind at the time, and, like, Trey Sermon is obviously unproven. So I'm starting to be in on him in this range. I'd prefer him over, like, Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson just because, you know, you got Trey Lance in there, and I know running quarterbacks don't pass it as much to running backs, but... Mm -hmm but Lance's threat of the run is really going to open up lanes for Mitchell to just go to work, and you could see them be a run-heavy team. He's like sort of similar to J.K. Dobbins, except he's not coming off a torn ACL in that he could be in an offense that runs the ball effectively with getting carries from a quarterback who can take off and run that opens up running lanes. So uh, Mitchell, I'm in on.
0: I like I like the thought. I like the thought process, but I'm out on Elijah Mitchell. You know, and I like the comparison of J.K. Dobbins, but the one thing that he doesn't have, he does have the mobile quarterback, does have obviously a, a high-powered enough offense to get a higher yard per touch per carry. But I, he doesn't have the goal line presence that you want to see. And that scares me with Elijah Mitchell. He doesn't have the frame. I he was injured, he dealt with injuries last season, and I could see that happening again. I they also didn't use him a lot in the red zone. So for me, that's scary because they also have red zone threats and they drafted a guy, a big bruiser in Davis Price, who can essentially come in and take those reps. And not to mention, the quarterback is probably going to be used in the red zone as well. And when you have to draft Elijah Mitchell right now, you mentioned it. You want to you want that guy that if you draft him, he has potential to, like, be a top 10 back or be something that can really help your team. And I feel like he's way too limited to me. He's more of a Miles Sanders type probably more effective for the team than he is in fantasy football. For that reason, I'm going to be out, man. I don't think he's going to catch the rock a whole lot with Trey Lance. And he's there. I love the squad. And I think he's going to be good in real football. But injury concerns, first of all, uh, and then also red zone work. Kind of tamper my expectations when it comes to that.
1: That That's a great point, too. Uh, you raised some good points here on making me maybe like, you know, like that that makes a ton of sense. And plus, we didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even mention what if – I know Debo didn't like his role of uh, – Like um that he was getting carries out of the The backfield the wide back and who why maybe we're assuming too much that he doesn't get carries. What if he gets a few carries here and there? And that hurts Mitchell too. So those are definitely fair concerns.
0: Yeah, it's tough, man, because I love I love Elijah Mitchell the player, and I think he's a good a good player, but the team already doesn't have a whole lot of like draft capital invested in him. And to me, it just seems like they went out, they got another running back, they already they resigned Jeff Wilson's back. Um, you know, Trey Sermon also has pretty good draft capital. They might want to see what they get out of him. I don't know, man. It's a, different, a little bit different scheme with that zone read, too. So we'll see, Elijah Mitchell, man. I hope it works out as a fan. I hope it works out. But I definitely have my concerns. I am out on Elijah Mitchell. Next up, this back has been a very consistent threat uh, when you go wide back. Or when you – wide back. Here I go talking about the wide mm-hmm. back. When you go dead zone running back, uh, talking about Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's a guy, he'll be there for you. He's the elite of the elite when it comes to backups, actually has a role as a backup in the offense. Um, So he's almost like a starter 1B, has tremendous upside if anything ever happens. We've seen it when Nick Chubbs went out, Kareem Hunt's been able to step in and we've seen him be an RB1 in the past. Are you in or are you out right now when it comes to Kareem Hunt?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm in on Kareem Hunt. Uh, like you said, he's an extremely talented running back. He'd likely he'd start on a number of other teams. I mean, I don't know why he's still in Cleveland. He should go get his go to a team where he can be the main, the main guy, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh he's got receiving upside, he's got standalone value. The the Browns have a great offensive line. I know it's likely Deshaun Watson's suspension will be longer, and you'll see Jacoby Brissett, but that could be more check downs to the backs. Mm-hmm. And they could really lean on the running game even more and just be going super run-heavy. So I do agree with you here. Yeah, Kareem Hunt is is a a nice pick. Even if you went just running back, uh, one running back in like the first six rounds and then you wanted to get your RB two, you got that upside one as your two. I feel more comfortable with him like that than in a zero RB where he's my one. Even though I get it there too, just because... You know, like he's not gonna supplant Nick Chubb. It will have to take an injury. Whereas, like someone like C. H., he could just be the one from the get-go, right? So
0: yeah, you're, I mean, spot on with that. It's like how we talked about is when you're there in the dead zone, look for upside. You want to look for somebody who can be a consistent running back for your fantasy team. And while I think Kareem Hunt is that, he doesn't possess the upside unless there's an injury. So when it comes to, to even in PPR leagues. He's good. He's he's one of the better backup running backs to have. I I wouldn't mind starting him like you said as your RB two, but you have to have somebody in your lineup that can potentially rush for 1,200 yards, a 1, thousand yards, get 10 touchdowns, or get 50 catches. And Kareem Hunt's just not that. Like he's a he's a good back to have, but I he's not the guy that I want as my RB one. I'm yeah. in on Kareem Hunt at the value though. I think that if you compare him with another one of those running backs, you're solid. And he does carry enough value, but he is limited unless there's an injury. So as long when you're drafting Kareem Hunt just know that unless unless he gets traded that could also happen too there yeah, was, he that's... wanted to trade and the browns were like hell no you're, you're not getting traded but <laughs> you know the trade deadline they think we've seen different things happen especially if this browns team isn't good
1: yeah that's a good point too that gives you another out for your uh, to get that ceiling yeah for sure
0: those kareem hunt shares man and you know sometimes those split those split backfields are really tough. Like for the Browns, it's easy, but there's other teams where it's tough and you're like, all right, well, I don't know if, if he's the pass catcher, if he's the runner, but you know, we talked about green Bay, obviously we'll get to them in a second, but in Miami chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, right? Chase Edmonds is there on the board, typically around that sixth to eighth round. And there's a lot of people who will reach for him and think that he has good value. And there's a lot of people who were, who were burned slightly by him last year because he got hurt. Where are you at when it comes to Chase Edmonds? Because, you know, it's a friendly system. Mike McDaniel's system is friendly, um, but there's going to be some other running backs when you talk about Raheem Mostert and Sonny Michelle.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I really like Chase Edmonds because out of that backfield, he's the only one who has receiving upside. I know Miles Gaskin does, but I mean, I, you can't think he's in the plans after, you know, no they way. bring over Chase Edmonds. They brought three running backs Edmonds, yeah. Michelle, and Mostert. Like Gaskin's a cut candidate. So, Edmonds is the only one who's really a good receiver, and um, so that give that alone gives him the higher upside. And of course, Raheem Mostert's dealt with injuries, and uh, so they're likely. I feel like uh, Sony Michelle and Mostert will cut into each other for that, like the, that kind of um, interior runs ca- kind of thing, where Chase yeah. Edmonds gets those catches, and that's that's what we want to target here. And um, his season last year, I did a tweet earlier. And he actually Chase Edmonds uh, commented on it, and he's like, "Really?" He's like, "He's like, you're smart, Frank." <laughs> it was funny, but really? I put, I put basically like I did splits where he was doing well, and then his first, then he got injured where he left early, yeah. And then his first game back, he wasn't used as to the same extent yep. of his original usage. So then, if I if you remove those games where he left early and when he came back and is like you know gathering his feet again he had a, a better season overall from a fantasy standpoint. So it even looks better than what it would have looked like. So I think he's got potential. He's not going to be that bell cow type of getting 18, 20 touches per game, but he could get like his 13 to 15. And those are high value touches in the, in that they're targets out of the drop in
0: bro. I love it. I was hey, I was one of the guys all in on chase Evans as your RB two last year. You were getting him for dirt cheap last year. And he was, before he got hurt, he was the running back 12 in PPR leagues and he hadn't even scored a touchdown yet. I absolutely love Chase Edmonds in this situation. The only concern I have right now with Chase, and I'm still drafting him. I'm very in on Chase Edmonds. I moved him up my board significantly, probably more than a lot of people. The only concern I have is that Mike McDaniel isn't necessarily like a guy that enforces the check downs. Like he's not going to be a lot of pass catches. Whereas in Arizona with that air raid, I think he had 80 70 to 80 catch potential there in that offense. I have my concerns about that now. And then you know, they're going to be running him a little bit more while he's elusive as hell. I do have my concerns that in PPR leagues, he might not have that same 70 catch potential. So I hope he's able to make up for it. And obviously being a smaller frame, he has to be using the red zone because they did bring in Sony Michelle and Raheem Mostert. So, there's just a lot of question marks that I have with that when it comes to like how his usage is going to be, but he's the highest paid on the team six million a year versus two million a year for, for Michelle and for Mostert. So I am in on chase Edmonds. I like him a lot this year. I think if he touches the rock and plays 15 games, we're going to have a, an RB two.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And plus you got Tyree kill and, and Jalen Waddle a, a receiver. They're fast as hell open up room underneath you know so I, I get your concerns though but yeah out of this backfield i'm i'm going with Edmonds and i and i do like him as that that uh sort of cheaper dead zone running back
0: do you, so before we move on really quickly you think raheem Mostert's a threat or no
1: i think yeah he's a threat just because you know he's been in the scheme before in his san fran days with mcdaniel uh he should get touches but it's just that he doesn't he won't He won't thread in the passing game work, which is what we want from Edmonds anyway. Uh, And, you know, he hasn't really been able to stay healthy, unfortunately. So if he misses time, that obviously bumps up Edmonds for sure, too.
0: And good point there. All right. We got three more, three more to go through. And all three of these guys are in split backfields, just like Chase Edmonds. AJ Dillon, um, one of the, he's obviously the second like backup to go behind Kareem Hunt. Had a lot of standalone value last year when Aaron Jones was out. He produced at a high level. Are you drafting A.J. Dillon as like, hey, he can be a starter for me, or are you like not? When I draft him, he has to be a backup.
1: No, I love A.J. Dillon. I love him as my RB, two because you look at him as a player. This is a coaching staff that drafted him second round, even though they had Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams at the time. And they mm-hmm. needed receivers, and they still drafted him. Year one, of course, he didn't get much work because Jamal Williams was there. He was the third string. Year two, you saw how he had more of a role, especially down the stretch. And Aaron Jones, you know, you kind of got to keep him fresh, or he might uh, he might be able to still play, but he might be playing a little bit banged up, and he's not at full, you know, capacity. So it may be in the Packers' best interest to really feature Dylan and maybe have like a split backfield. To keep Jones fresh. And then you consider the fact that they lost Devontae Adams. They have a really unproven receiving core. You know, Dylan and, and Aaron Jones are two probably their two best weapons on offense for Aaron Rodgers. So, and they even said it actually. Aaron Rodgers, there was a quote today that these we want our best 11 on the field, and these two may be part of that. So you may see them on the field together. So I know some people don't like Dylan just that because they look at him as an expensive backup, but. This is a rare case where you're—he's with a Hall of Fame quarterback. They're still going to score points, yeah. And he's one of the two best playmakers on the team. So, and of course, as the power back, he's got tons of touchdown upside. He, you watch him on the—you watch him play. The talent jumps off the screen, and he's not like your conventional just pure power back because he showed that he could catch his fair share of passes too. So I True. just love AJ Dillon, love him.
0: See, I just have—I have a problem with AJ Dillon though because. I think everybody loves AJ Dillon and for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned, and that's baked into his ADP. Like you gotta take him round six right now. Yeah. And I feel like and I'm just like at the top of that that dead zone, I feel like there's more upside. Like if Aaron Jones goes down, okay, cool. Like you got you just won. Like that's you'll get the value that we saw last year. But I think, a lot of, I think a lot of that passing work that Devontae Adams is leaving behind is going to go to Aaron Jones. And, yeah, A.J. Dillon will see the field, but if he doesn't score a touch, it's going to feel like he's really touchdown dependent, like a bunch of those 20-carry for 84-yard games. Things like that kind of concern me as a fantasy manager, where in PBR leagues especially, I want the back that can catch the rock. I don't see A.J. Dillon getting a lot of passing game work unless, unless something happened more to Aaron Jones. So, for me, I'm out at the price tag and out of the work. Now, if he slips – if he slips and I've already got maybe an established back and he's there in the eighth round because everybody else has the same concerns as me, that's fine. But I feel like right now you're having to take him ahead of some of these starters. Like if I were to ask you right now, Chase Edmonds or or A.J. Dillon, there's a strong possibility, even if it's not you, there's a strong possibility that most people are going to take A.J. Dillon over Chase Edmonds right now. And I can't do that. Like if I ask you right now who you got, A.J. Dillon or Chase Edmonds, where are you at?
1: Even though I love both, I'm still at AJ Dillon, but I do get what you're saying. He is expensive. It it requires like a leap of faith. Like you gotta be like understanding that, hey, I'm taking a big risk here. I just I'm I'm betting on the fact that they, you know, want it will keep Aaron Jones fresh. I don't know if Aaron Jones will play a full season. You know, they might they it's might true. be looking good and they can give him a, a week even if he's banged up and then you know, you're you're around fantasy playoff time. You got AJ Dillon slated for like 20 plus touches in a good matchup. It could be nice. So I get though. I I totally get anyone who's concerned because he is he does have a high price. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, just a little high for me, man. But I, you know, he's right around that Kareem Hunt territory, and I trust Kareem Hunt a little bit more than I trust AJ Dillon. Which I think a lot of people actually have it reversed. They like AJ Dillon more than Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Another back uh, Damian Harris. And so we've seen a lot of stuff come out with Damian Harris over the last couple of days. He wanted to, They were talking about potentially trading him. Ramondre Stevenson is now in the James White role now that James White is retired. Uh, how are you feeling about Damian Harris and his potential this season? I know Dynasty is probably a different conversation, but for redraft, you know, he had What, 15, 16 touchdowns last year. You, you buy in or you sell you were you're out.
1: No, to be honest, I'm out just because you know in a lot of on a lot of platforms, it, uh, Damian Harris is still going ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. Where if I want to attack this backfield, I want to just wait and take Ramondre, just because as you mentioned, there's talk of him taking that James White role. He's still a good runner in his own right. Like he had that one game like, against the Browns, he just went off. He showed a nice crazy. ceiling there. I know Damian Harris was an efficient runner and he got a lot of touchdowns, but it's Seeming like they're trying to like transition toward Ramondre in this backfield, and like I said, you could often get him cheaper. Even though some sites like say Underdog, their ADPs are starting to flip where Stevenson yep. goes ahead. So, really, if I'm going at this backfield, t- I'm going Ramondre Stevenson, more receiving upside.
0: Yeah. Damian Harris to me was kind of mid even going into last year. I I didn't really attack him last season and then he scored all those touchdowns and I was like, it's useful. But to me, like, it still didn't have, it didn't have the same type of feel. Like I didn't feel like Damian Harris was a starter all season, even though he was like, it just didn't feel like that. And I feel like when you saw Ramondre play and he had that breakout week, it was like, all right, that's the future of this team. They're going to go to Ramondre Stevenson and, I I'm out on Damian Harris. I feel like the upside is limited. If he doesn't score 15 touchdowns again, like there's no mm-hmm. chance he's a starter for this team even the next season or probably your fantasy team come fantasy playoff time. So, I'm out. The coaching staff has changed, situations changing. Yeah, like Ramondre Stevenson's ADP is way lower than Damian Harris is right now. It's going to creep up and it's going to switch and we saw that James White role, that Danny Woodhead role. It's always been sneakily productive. Like James White Danny Woodhead, those guys were top 15 running backs in PPR leagues, and you could get them on waivers a lot of times. I'm not saying you'll be able to get Ramondre on waivers ever this season, but it has that same feel, so I would draft Ramondre Stevenson over Damien Harris. I'm with you there, Frank, on that one. The last one, we talked about this off-camera, your guy, Rashad Penny, baby. Rashad Penny. In the Seattle Seahawks, um, we talked about it a little bit earlier, Kenneth Walker, uh obviously had a sports hernia um and so this is kind of changed uh rashad's penny rashad penny's value he's at the back end of the dead zone a lot of people kind of take him towards the back end of that dead zone if they're looking for a starter where are you at with rashad penny i know where i I know you're at with them but tell people where you're at with them
1: oh i love rashad penny i think he could be an rb2 with more upside i think what he showed last year when he was finally fully healthy and given a, a full role like he has a ton of talent he was, by advanced metrics, you know, an elite runner in that stretch. Ran for, like, yep. 670 yards in five game in the last five games. His last two, it was, like, 170, then 190. Like, I know your people, the tractors are saying, like, that was against weak defenses, but come on. Like, even against weak, good players, they exploit, you know, weaker defenses. That's what they do. They always That's say, what say they that when, it,
0: when it's convenient. They'll, say, they'll yeah. say that when it's convenient for their argument.
1: Exactly. And then – you know, he was a U- uh, unrestricted free agent and he decided to stay back in Seattle. Well, why? There's conversations there, you know. They obviously made it clear that he'll still have a role on this team and maybe even a prominent one, which would what I think will happen. So, Like, he could have signed elsewhere. Like, he just finished his uh, contract year with a ridiculous stretch, but he decided to stay in Seattle. And, of course, they're going to be run heavy given their uh, – you know, lackluster QB situation with Russell Wilson gone. They, I know their offensive line on paper doesn't look good, but he ran well behind that one last yeah. year. So maybe their run blocking is actually decent or the scheme. And they, they drafted Charles Cross in the top 10, a to tackle. And they even used, I believe, a third rounder on the offensive line. Yeah. They want to just pound the football. And I know there's a lot of hate on the Seahawks because they don't run a lot of plays. They don't, they look, They don't look appealing from a fantasy standpoint, but I don't think this is going to just be a team that bottoms out and wins two games. Like Pete Carroll can have the, his players playing hard for him. They could be that scrappy run heavy team that pulls off a couple upsets here and there at home because of their running game. And I think Penny just, the guy just, he looked amazing last year. And For me, the question is only about health there.
0: You know, and even if they're a four, six-win team, which they'll probably be around like three to five wins, even if they're that, like you mentioned, they're, they're not just going away. They're tough at home. They play well in the, within the division. Pete Carroll is the coach, so the coaching will be there. They have good veteran presence on the team. You're right. Like, this is a good situation for Rashad Penny, and unfortunately, Kenneth Walker did get hurt. Uh, we talked about the sports hernia injury, how that it takes a while to recover from that fully. So we're going to see him in a feature role at least early on. And this team might go towards Kenneth Walker towards the end of the year, but at that point, you should have another option and you may be able to get Walker off of free agency. Like if you own Rashad Penny on your team, you may be able to get Rashad, uh, Kenneth Walker a little bit later on if another manager is just tired of holding him, waiting for him to come on the scene. So to me, I don't mind getting Rashad Penny, um, especially when you're looking for a starter. I like when my those running backs, if I do fade the running back position, I like the running backs that have an instant role that you're not waiting on and Rashad Penny will have that 15 to 20 touches guaranteed in an offense that really don't – it's not going to pass the ball extremely well. Like Geno Smith or Drew Luck, whoever the starter is, they're not going to be passing the ball for 4,000, 5,000 yards. So they're going to lean on the run game. It'll be run heavy. He gets work in the red zone. I'm in on Rashad Penny at the value.
1: Yeah, wheels up for, for <laughs>
0: and, I, and I don't like the Seahawks, man. I, I'm a Niner fan. Right? Uh, Besides, yeah. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> like the Seahawks. So that does it for our portion, fantasy, uh, the zero RB where we talk fantasy. Let's talk a little betting, though. Okay. And tapping a little bit more to this, to this zero to this, uh, you know, dead zone. And let's see if we really believe what we're saying or if we're kind of fading the consensus. So this section is called Straight Up where we talk betting. All right, we're going to talk some bets. And I'm going to pull up big. Sorry, it looks like I'm going to my phone, which I am. I'm pulling up uh, some some stats for us to take a look at when it comes to rush yards for the season. Um, and so I'm going to pull up some of these players and just kind of see, are we really feeling the numbers that are behind them? Or are we just fading it because it's the cool thing to do? Or are we buying in because it's the cool thing to do? First player, I want to get your opinion on this. AJ Dillon is sitting at 800 yards rushing in 800.5. And then 6.5 rushing touchdowns. So 800.5 rush yards, 6.5 rushing touchdowns. Are you in or are you out on the over or under for, uh, for the rush yards and rush touchdowns?
1: Well, before I give you my pick, I just want to say one thing, especially with running backs, with the season-long props, it's good to lean to focus on unders more. Just because, you know, how many running backs play every single game in the season? And some may right. need to do so in order to hit the over there like there's huge injury risk right so you kind of really want to focus on unders so even though I love Dylan here what I'm going to say is I think that 800 there's risk that you know like you said Aaron Jones still takes the lead role I there's risk Mm -hmm. that I'm wrong and that's pretty high so I'm going to say under on that one even though I love Dylan it just in terms of betting you know I'm not going to wager on that over 800 but I am confident that he will make a major impact in the red zone where they'll, if at worst, like he'll be prominently featured in that regard. So I will take the over six and a half touchdowns, even though, again, I don't even like to bet on touchdowns just because they could be up and down. Like, you know, look at Dalvin Cook last year. He gets fed in the red zone and he finished with six touchdowns. So there's always that risk. But with Dylan, I feel like they will be, still an efficient offense and he'll get I think he's gonna get double digit touchdowns and six and a half is looks like a reasonable number and it could be hit even if he's like a 40 percent type of running back rather than closer to
0: 50. Yeah no I I love your take on that because the yardage scares me 800 yards scares me for AJ Dillon I don't I'm not sure he hits that now you know could he Potentially, I think it would take an injury to see anything more than like 800. It feels like that's probably a good number if you're going to stick a number on A.J. Dillon. 800 seems about right. Seven to 800 in that range. I would take the under as well. And like you mentioned, injuries happen. Uh, But injuries also happen to Aaron Jones, too, and to other players. So he could be fortunate. I would stick with the under 800.5. And when it comes to touchdowns, I feel like that number is a pretty damn good number, too, because he's going to get featured in the red zone. And I think Aaron Jones is going to get more passing work in the red zone than people think, but they lost Devontae Adams and losing. That is another option. I got to go with the over on it. 6.5. I feel like he gets somewhere in that eight to 10 range. Not sure he hits double digits, but they use him as a battering ram. I think 6.5 is a little too low, but it feels like, you know, if it was six to eight, it wouldn't surprise me. Like you said, touchdowns are a little bit more inconsistent to call year by year. And uh, I don't know. I like that I feel like the overall on that one is the best bet.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: All right. Another player we talked about, um, Josh Jacobs. His numbers right now currently sitting at 705, or I'm sorry, 750.5 rushing yards, 7.5 rushing touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs, obviously, we're talking about his usage, could be higher in the red zone. We're also kind of fading him. Do you like those numbers? 750.5 for the rush yards, seven and a half for the rushing touchdowns.
1: Well, I think this is tough because even though I don't like him, like, I could see it going either way. Like if I were to look at this and I'm building my prize picks, I'd probably pass, but I'm going to have yeah. to give you an answer here. We need an answer on this show. We need an answer. We need an answer. So <laughs> even though I said about how I'm out on Josh Jacobs, 750 is pretty it's pretty low and he's shown the ability to handle a lot of carries and even if there is a committee like that's still a low bar 750 yeah so like I said from fantasy because sometimes you can be over on the props on betting because it's too low doesn't mean we like them in fantasy Good point. It just 750 feels perfectly attainable especially with the offensive upgrades upgrades in the coaching staff. I'm going to go over on there, especially also one more point. You know, like, let's say I think Zamir White could take some of that role. It won't be till later. It'll take some time to lean on the incumbent on the starter. So I'm going to go over there uh, on the touchdowns, seven and a half. This one, is seems like I, I like the over on the yards better than on the touchdowns here. I think I might lean under in this case because, you know, they got Waller and Adams in the red zone there. We saw Devontae Adams be just a monster in the red zone in Green Bay. Maybe they try to replicate that in Vegas. So maybe they'll throw a little more there. So I'm going to go under.
0: You know, Frank, we think a lot of a lot of things because I'm with you there, actually. I think that the under is going to hit for the I mean, the over is going to hit for the yardage. Josh Jacobs has been used and he's, you know, there's been times where he's been hurt. But for the most part, he's effective. And I know he doesn't really care about our fantasy teams that much. But he has been a staple on the field. And with McDaniels there, I don't feel like Zamir Weiss is going to come in there and take over all this work. And Amir Abdullah and Kenyon Drake are just going to take over all this work. Like, I think Josh Jacobs is in a prove-it year. Like, they declined his fifth year. Let me show you what I got. I could see that yardage being closer to 1,000 than to 750. Like, I think that's okay. where Josh Jacobs finished. Now, does that change my opinion on him? No, because I do think that there's a floor that I don't want to see when it, com- when it comes to Josh Jacobs. I'm still not going to reach on him. I think he has a high floor. That touchdown number, though, when I look at seven and a half, the optimistic, the, the optimist in me is like, he might go over that. He might see 10 touchdowns if we're consistent with what Josh McDaniels has done consistently with his running backs. Damian Harris, Garrett Blunt. all the running backs scored over 10 points a lot of times in that offense. The number the optimist in me says, yeah, he's going to beat that. But then there's the side of me, the fantasy player that's like, nah, I don't think he's going to hit seven and a half. So. I am not very confident in this. I would go over if I was going to play this, I would play over and I would not feel confident about it at all. Just to be fair.
1: All right. That's fair. That's fair.
0: All right. The last player we'll do right now is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We talked about him earlier. Both of us really liked his upside um, and potential right now. His numbers are sitting right around where that Josh Jacobs range is 700.5 for the rush yards and 5.0 for the rushing touchdowns. Now, we both said we kind of liked Clyde Edwards-Helaire, very similar, if not more, than Josh Jacobs at his respective draft position. But both of those numbers are lower. Are you are you betting the over the under for the yards and rush touchdowns? Seven hundred point five and five for the touchdowns.
1: So the thing with when we like them in fantasy is more because we want to target the ceiling, right? And Josh Jacobs has a higher floor than C.E.H. Let's face it; just because he has more of the track record, the floor for C.E.H. is he's on the bench and it's pacheco and mckinnon like like we saw at some points with mckinnon that is last year so with the rushing especially because he can get some receiving yards maybe i might lean under because what if he could still even there's an outcome where he's doing good from a fantasy level but maybe they're just using him more as that pass catching back and he gets like 650 yards but he has like 500 receiving yards something like that so I'm gonna say under on the rushing uh on the touchdowns five is is like a really low bar like I think just because it's so low, i'm gonna go over just he's in such a good offense if he's the one uh as the primary red zone back he can yeah. easily get to six It's not really that much to ask, so I'll go over on uh the touchdowns and under on the on the rushing yards.
0: All right. Well, I'm not mad at that and you know, I think that is, you know, his his involvement in the passing game definitely helps when it comes to uh fantasy, right? And we're talking a lot of times PPR is is typically the standard when you talk on a show or when you're talking about value. You got to go PPR and if you're not in a PPR league, get in one. Get your league to change. That has to change ASAP. But for CEH's value, what, you know, the receiving work is such a big part and I don't know that he gets to 700. We talked to, you talked about Josh Jacobs having a high floor and CEH has a low floor like He could easily be replaced by Pacheco, by Jarek McKinnon, by Ronald Jones. Like there's a lot of question marks. So the betting person in me is going to say, actually, I'm fading. It's just there's because of the upside. I like him at the draft value. So is he a safe player? Absolutely not. But when I look at the touchdowns five, I'm probably taking the under even with that because he could have eight total touchdowns and four of them be receiving, four of them be in the red zone. They could use more red zone presence from those other running backs like I'm just to be honest, I am fading the betting numbers, but buying him in fantasy, which is kind of awkward. It's just where I'm at, man. I just don't feel like he's very safe. And when I look at my bets, I want my money in good places. Yeah. I want it in good places. And Red he hasn't had the track record that shows me it's it's worth investing in him at those numbers.
1: Yeah, I think a good way to look at it with what you're saying about how like, whoa, we like him in fantasy, but we don't like him in betting is because with this betting prop, if we're taking over, we don't need him to smash it. We just need him to get over by, like, one yard or five ten- We yeah. don't care, as long as he does it. But with fantasy, we want them to just totally smash the projections, give us that just juggernaut type of team. So with these season-long props, we're really, like, looking at floor because, of course, like we mentioned, the injury risk could shatter our bet even if they're doing well. Like, imagine you had Derrick Henry props last year. He's killing it. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he
0: yeah. might have smashed some of those anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like that's the thing. So I think when with betting, looking for the ceiling is when you're taking like that player to lead in rushing yards, either for a week or for the season. You might take a long shot because he has a high ceiling if it all breaks. Right. You know, but yes, if it's sir. just like the over under prop, we're going to look for floor.
0: Yes, sir. All right. Real quick. Our last segment today is going to be called "Ask Jayhan," where people can reach out to me and ask questions. Use the hashtag on Twitter. It's with the three instead of the e. I got to get that graphic updated. Ask Jayhan real quick in thirty seconds or less, Frank. Who is your favorite red zone or favorite dead zone running back that we talked about today?
1: Well, it's got. To, I got to go with my guy Rashad Penny. Like I said, he, he has a, that established track record down the stretch. I know it's a small sample, but you can't diminish what he did. He looked like basically. Nick Chubb West coast version. Like he was running like a total beast efficient as hell. Just broke those advanced metrics. Yeah. It's just a matter of health for me. And you know, we saw it when they drafted uh penny and they had Chris Carson, penny was banged up. Carson ran away with the job. They stuck with him. We could see that with Walker too. Comes back from the injury. Penny's running away with it, and, and they make Walker just like a change of pace in his rookie year. It's got to yes, be sir. Penny for me.
0: All right, and I'm, I'm all in. I know we just talked about him, C.E.H. I love the value there. Give me C.E.H. I feel like he has the upside. When you fade the running back position, you want somebody who can come in and be a running back two or better. I think he gets there. So, Frank, my man, appreciate having you on the show, man. We'll have to have you on again. That was fun, bro.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back.
0: Absolutely. Let the people know where to find you at.
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at F-A-M-M-I-R-A-N-T-E-T-F-J. Always uh, interacting, talking football, debating. I have my works at thegameday.com. I'll, I'll have my rankings there and I'll have other content betting related as well. And I uh, just love to hear from you and, and Justin. And honestly, that was a blast, man.
0: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! We'll run it back, man. Shout out to the first episode we've had from a Canadian guest. Yes, sir.
1: All right, I'm- Justin
0: Henry show in effect. Make sure you subscribe. Catch it every day at three o'clock, uh, Pacific time, six o'clock Eastern. We'll see you on the next one.